we're going to turn now to God's Word, and we're reading uh, some verses from the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible, reading from Revelation chapter uh, 21. Reading from Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. This is God's Word. And it's a, it's a vision that God gives to St. John. Then John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. Amen. Uh, Johnny Campbell, one of our elders here at Orangefield, is going to come now and open up God's Word and share with us this morning. Thank you, Johnny. Well, Happy New Year uh, to those in the building. There aren't very many in the building this morning, but... Happy New Year, nonetheless. Happy New Year to those of you watching at home. Hey, if you're sitting at home this morning in a, in a two uh, or a three or a four or on your own and you think, hey, this is just rubbish, this is rubbish, um, we've been praying for you this morning that you will know you're not alone. And uh, we are together this morning gathered around the scriptures in, uh, in our minds and in our hearts, and soon, soon we will be gathered together uh, in body as well. In the summer of 2019, back when such extraordinary things were still allowed, I went to Uganda with Fields of Life and the Orangefield team. It was uh, an extraordinary fortnight that left an indelible mark on my life. Fields of Life was started in 1993 by a guy called Trevor Stevenson. Trevor had come to faith in Christ, and as he grew in faith, he came to a point in his life where he felt that God was calling him to Uganda, and specifically to a part of Uganda that had been traumatized by war. In fact, the land itself was known as the killing fields of Uganda, it was as if God was saying, uh, Trevor, I have brought hope and restoration to you in Jesus. Will you partner with me to bring hope and restoration to this land? Will you help me to bring some life out of the killing fields? Trevor had a background in agriculture, and as he started to farm this land, they saw some partnership and friendship with the local community, some transformation beginning to happen. A short time later, the leaders of the community approached him again and asked if he would help them with building a school. It was like God said, you know, Trevor, I brought hope and restoration to you and Jesus, and we've partnered together to bring some hope and restoration out of this land, these killing fields, and now here's another place of death, the death of educational opportunity. Will you partner with me to bring some life, some hope, and some restoration there as well? 
Fields of Life today has 127 schools. They're currently educating 50,000 children, many thousands more over the years, and they've drilled 800 wells to support communities with clean water. You see, Jesus had brought hope and restoration to Trevor, but the story was so much bigger than he thought. Let me start 2021 with a question. You know I like a question. Here it is. What if the story of God in your life in this year is bigger than you thought? We start a series today. Uh, it's a new series. It's called The Story You Live In is the Story You Live Out. Uh, and we're going to be tracking with a book by a guy called Pete Hughes. The book is called All Things New. You uh, will probably have heard of Tim Hughes. We sing a lot of stuff that Tim Hughes has written in church. His brother, Pete, is an Anglican priest, pastors a church in King's Cross in London. And over the last 15 years, he's written a book called All Things New. Uh, that will be our teaching series from now until the spring. And we would love you to uh, buy the book, uh, download the book, read it, listen to it, whatever. Um, and I'll even give you the big idea of the book for free. The big idea of the book is that the story of God in your life and in this world is bigger than you thought. The story of God in your life and in this world is bigger than you thought. This morning, uh, Gary has read from Revelation 21 for us. Uh, The reading from Revelation 21 is taken from the conclusion of the story of the Bible. And the Bible is a story. Uh, People talk about the Bible in different ways. They say it's like a guidebook for wise living, or it's a collection of moral lessons, or it's like a love letter from God. And all of those descriptions are true in some way. But if somebody asked you on the street today, hey, what's the Bible? I've never read this before. I've never picked this up. The answer is that the Bible is a unified story that points to the person of Jesus. And when I say a unified story, it's a drama. There are 66 books in the Bible, 600,000 words, around 40 authors, different genres, different cultures, different historical settings. It was written over 2,000 years. But when you put the whole thing together, what emerges from the Bible is a single, unified, whole story or drama, and it points to the person of Jesus. Every word of that story has been authored or inspired by God himself. The invitation for you in 2021 is to live in that story. Now, if you want to search for hope, I think there are a lot of people at the minute that are looking for hope. They they say that uh, 20 years ago, the billionaire owner of Apple, Steve Jobs, was still alive. In fact, 20 years ago, Johnny Cash, famous American country rock singer, was still alive as well. In fact, if you go back 20 years, even Bob Hope, the stand-up comedian, was still alive. But fast forward a couple of decades, and where do we find ourselves now? Well, there is no Jobs. (laughs) There's no Cash. And there's no hope. I, uh, I, I doubt very much that the actor Kevin Bacon watches our services, but Kevin, if, if you are watching, will you take good care of yourself? Because we, uh, we can't afford to lose you as well. If you're searching for hope in 2021, there are lots of stories that you could look for hope in. You could look for hope on Instagram stories. You could look for hope in the story of your favorite political party. You could look for hope in the story of 24-7 news cycles, I promise you the best you will find is bland optimism, but probably exhaustion. 
And I'm promising you that because I've tried. If you're searching for hope, you will find real hope in the story of the Bible. And I invite you this year to live in it. To live in the story of the Bible, you need to see that there are four key elements. Ah, This has appeared behind me. I might bring this. I'll bring this forward a little bit. I'm hoping you can pick this up on camera. This is the new PowerPoint for 2021. There are four key elements in the story of the Bible. Creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. That's the drama of the Bible. Now, when Princess Diana died, a theologian pastor called Tom Wright was invited to give a lecture at Westminster Cathedral. And he talked about the story of the Bible in four parts. Uh, And he invited people who were listening to live in this story, but he pointed out a problem with how we read the story. And his lecture was so powerful that night that it became a book. And his book has become like a modern Christian classic. And this was the problem that he pointed out. He said the story is bigger than you think. You see, over the last 200 years, in our Christian tradition in the West, what we've done is we've taken this part of the story here, just the middle, the fall and the redemption. And it's a wee bit like we've topped and tailed a carrot. I topped and tailed a few carrots over Christmas. Maybe you did too. It's like we've topped and tailed the story. Or imagine you go to see a film and you miss the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes, but you get the crux. You've got the main part. And Tom Wright said, over the last 200 years, that's what we've done in the West to the story of the Bible. We really nailed this part. It goes like this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the fall. But the good news is that Jesus died for your sin so you can be forgiven. There's a redemption. And we've nailed it. The problem is, the story is bigger. The story of of fall and redemption is an incredibly important message. You would far rather people knew that than they didn't. It actually reminds me of, there's a mural, I think, in Port Stewart. Somebody has painted on the wall uh, a verse from Scripture that says, For the wages of sin is death. Um, That's the fall. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's redemption. I would much, much rather people walking through Port Stewart in the summer saw that message than they didn't. But actually, Tom Wright said this. The story is bigger than you think. Pete Hughes, in the first chapter of All Things New, he says this. There's a whole generation of Christians who think that Jesus died for their sin and one day they will go to heaven and they will sit on the clouds, they will drink Red Bull uh, and they will sing, Here I Am to Worship, which my brother wrote. Uh, the, The uncomfortable thing is this, that vision of heaven doesn't really inspire me in work every Monday and Here I Am to Worship isn't even that good. He's saying the same thing as Tom Wright. He's saying we've been really strong in the middle part of the story, but we've been a little bit quiet or uncertain or confused about the rest. And the story is actually bigger than you think. So let's take a look at what the end of the story actually says. Gary has read for us today from Revelation 21. Revelation 21, this passage, it's, it's kind of like the summation of the biblical story on our future. It's this part. It talks about the renewal of all things. It's like almost the final word of God, if you like, on our future. I'd like to make three observations of it this morning. The first observation, maybe I'll have a drink before I make three observations, if you like. I have a better chance of getting to the end if I do. Um, 
Let me make three observations of this part of our story, the part that maybe we have found a little bit more sketchy or just not quite as comfortable and as as sure as the middle part of our story. The first observation is this. In Revelation 21, there is no sign of any human beings becoming detached from their body and going up to heaven. That was Plato's idea, that the soul would detach from the body and, and find its way up to somewhere else. And it happens in Looney Tunes, if you've ever watched that, uh, and somebody dies, that's what happens, but it's not in the Bible. The story of the Bible begins on earth and it ends on earth, and it actually ends with God coming down. It says this, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people on earth, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The story is that God comes down and fills the earth with his glory. Habakkuk prophesied that. He said, one day the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And Jesus invited you and I to pray for it. He said, would you pray that the will of God would be done on earth in the same way that it is in heaven? The story is not that we go up. It's that God comes down. The second observation I'd like to make is that the picture that John, who received this vision, uh, the picture that John uses of the renewal of all things, of this part of the end of our story, is, is one of a marriage. When two people get married, two become one. And he says, actually, uh, heaven and earth were two places or realities that were always meant to work together. They worked together in the beginning. Sin drove them apart. Now, heaven would still touch earth in two ways in the Old Testament. One was in a physical place in the temple. The other was in a a place in time, the Sabbath. But both the temple and the Sabbath were pointing to a person who would bring heaven and earth back together. And when Jesus appeared on the scene, he said, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The process of heaven and earth coming back together has begun. And the picture is that of a marriage. It says, I saw the holy city, the the new Jerusalem, the city of Shalom, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Wherever Jesus went, heaven would break in to earth. This didn't happen when I rehearsed this, but I can't get Belinda Carlisle out of my head. But what Belinda Carlisle was saying is the same thing as what the Bible is saying here, in a way, that one day heaven will be a place on earth. And Jesus began that process of bringing them together, that wherever he put his feet, heaven would break in. Where is Jesus today? Well, he lives in you by his Holy Spirit. What about if you thought every morning of 2021, as you put your feet on the floor getting out of bed, that everywhere you put your feet, Jesus puts his. Everywhere that you step into, there is the potential for a little bit of heaven to break in on earth, a little uh, foretaste of the grace and the glory of God, a little foretaste of his goodness and his love, wherever you put your feet. Observation number three, the last one I've got, is that Jesus kind of sums up this picture of renewal in our story by saying, behold, I am making all things new. When John wrote this, he could have chosen two uh, Greek words for new. One was neos, which means brand new. The other, kainos, which means like restored to newness. 
And in Revelation 21, when Jesus says, I am making all things new, he uses, John chooses the word kainos. He says, Jesus sat down on the throne and said, I am making all things kainos, not brand new, but restored to newness. Think of a car. Like, Neos, a car that was Neos would be one that had never been driven before and you were the first owner and it was brand new. A car that was Kainos is the car that you drive now but restored to perfect newness. You've probably heard of the Japanese practice of Kintsugi. It's become the darling of sermon illustrations. But just in case, Kintsugi is a form of Japanese pottery. They take smashed and broken pieces of pottery and they apply a precious liquid mineral, usually gold, and they restore a broken pot to beauty and to wholeness. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, I am making all things kainos. I am restoring everything to beauty and to wholeness. He's saying, that's what I love to do. I love to bring hope and to bring restoration. He loves to do that for people. Charlie Mackesy, who uh, is an artist and has become quite famous in the last year or two after writing a a book uh, of kind of illustrations, Charlie Mackesy says that whenever he was younger, he was part of a church choir. Some of you maybe remember the choir in church. And when he attended church choir, he had to wear a cassock. Now, I didn't know what that was. I had to look it up. But it's like a robe. Um, I'm sure Gary's probably worn a cassock once or twice. Um, but it's like a robe. And, and Charlie would used to wear this cassock for church choir. And then during the breaks and rehearsals, he would go outside and play football. And one day he was outside playing football and he, he fell over and he cut both of his knees really badly. But the choir master was pretty stiff and stern. Uh, and the church itself was, was pretty stuffy. And so when he came back in after playing football, he didn't want to tell anybody that he had cut himself really badly. And he just sat there and suffered through the next hour and a half of choir rehearsal. You see, his cassock was immaculately presented because it had to be. But underneath, bleeding. I think sometimes it's quite a good picture of Christian community, communities of faith, church. Uh, We're we're all quite well presented in our cassock for choir. we're able to display to each other that we're well put together, keep our hands clean and um, wear the right outfit. But underneath your robe, you feel like your knees are bleeding. And you could drown yourself in, in self-help this year, in self-reliance. But only Jesus can really bring hope and restoration and put broken people and and broken lives back together. Jesus forgives sin. Jesus gives rest to weary souls. And Jesus puts broken people back together. But what I really want you to notice today is the scope of his work. See, in Revelation 21, maybe the story is bigger than you think. Jesus doesn't say, I'm making all Christians new. I'm making everyone in church new. I'm making everybody who came to faith on a scripture union Bible camp at 11 new. I'm making Evangelical Ulster or the United Kingdom or the Presbyterian Church in Ireland new. He says, I'm making all things new. I am making everything new. Naomi read from Colossians 1 a little bit earlier, and Colossians 1 says this, that everything you can see in the world around you, everything that has been created was created in and for Christ. 
and in him all things in creation hold together, and that in Christ God is reconciling to himself all things. The story is bigger than you think. That the scope of creation is exactly the same as the scope of restoration. There is nothing in this world that has been defaced or marred or broken by sin that Christ is not in the process of putting back together and restoring to wholeness. N.T. Wright says we can't and we will not see this in completeness. We won't see this in completeness in 2021 unless he comes again. But N.T. Wright says we partner in its arrival. Pete Hughes says there's a whole world out there that God wants to transform, that God is making all things kainos, and our role is to push the story towards its conclusion, not just as recipients of restoration, but as agents of restoration in the world around us as well. Abraham Kuyper put it like this. There is not a square inch of the domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, that's mine. That's mine. Filmmaking, that's mine. Music, mine. Finance and banking, that's mine. The communities and the estates of East Belfast, those are mine. Your home and family, your neighborhood, your community, your workplace, those are mine. Education, Jesus says, that's mine. The fashion industry, it's mine. Everything that has been made was made through him and for him. And in him, all things hold together. And in Christ, God is reconciling to himself all things. And when we participate in the restoration of all things, when we get involved in a story that's bigger than we think, it's a little bit like showing people a movie trailer. I used to be terrified when I took Naomi to see a movie, which used to happen from time to time when such extraordinary things were allowed. I used to be terrified that a trailer would come on for a Nicholas Sparks movie. I have seen every single movie that Nicholas Sparks has made, and they are all exactly the same. And if I took Naomi to see something else and a trailer for a Nicholas Sparks movie came on, I, I knew exactly what was about to happen. Her eyes would light up and halfway through the trailer, she'd like elbow me in the ribs. You know, we, we have to go and see that. And I'm like, yes, I know. We see every single movie Nicholas Sparks makes. But actually, when we participate, when we partner with God to bring hope and restoration to the world around us, when we allow God to do through us what he has done in us, we show people a trailer of what is coming. We show them a preview of what God will do one day in completeness. And you'd be amazed how so often people, their eyes light up and they're like, I want to see that in fullness. I want to be a part of that. Do you know, if the story of God is just this bit in the middle, if our message is that we've all screwed up and that Jesus died for us, then actually the evangelist in schools is to be honored and funded and commissioned above everybody else. But if that is our story, set within the context of a wider story that's about the restoration of all things, making all things kainos, restored to newness, touching everything on earth with the presence and the glory of God and carrying that with us and in us, we need to fund and we need to, well, maybe not fund, but we need to commission, we need to pray for, we need to uh, love and we need to encourage and affirm the work of the mechanic. The tradesman, the lawyer, the financial controller, the filmmaker, the journalist, the stay-at-home mum, the, the volunteer retiree. 
Because all of us, when we're drawn into this story, are participating in something that was bigger than we thought. I have a friend over in England. He's called James. And Jesus found James as a very lost, broken, and confused young man. James bought and sold a lot of cars in his 20s, ran up a lot of debt, um, got himself in a lot of trouble, and arrived in his late 20s as quite an angry, frustrated, confused young man. And he found Jesus, or rather, Jesus found him. And Jesus brought restoration and hope in his life. There was a remarkable transformation in him. He found direction and purpose. He found peace. He found hope. But it was just the beginning of the story. James began to believe as he lived in the story of the Bible, as he found restoration and hope in the story of the Bible, in Christ, he began to believe that God wanted to do through him what had happened in him. And he retrained as a barber, opened, uh, saved hard, worked hard, worked for somebody else. And in time, he opened his own barbershop. And he always had this vision to do a lot more than cut hair. You see, in the northeast of England where he lives, there's a, a story really over the lives of young men. A lot of mental health issues, a lot of fatherlessness, a lot of trouble in employment, um, a lot of hopelessness. And James opened this barber shop, and he said, you know, Johnny, when somebody sits down, they can't really go anywhere. And I have half an hour, maybe 40 minutes, to listen to them, to love them, to affirm them, to build community with them and around them, to, to, to actually see this place, my workplace and my environment here, as a little outpost of the kingdom of God, somewhere where the values of heaven are touching earth, somewhere where the presence of Jesus is there, even when people don't know what it is and somewhere that I can begin to bring hope and restoration to these people and to this area in the same way that Jesus brought it to me. If you look on their website, um, you'll find an invitation to Alpha. Rusty, uh, James runs Alpha twice a year. He's seen lots of young men particularly come to faith on Alpha, but it's described on the website as a place of community, health, support, and love. Jesus is making all things kainos, restoring them from brokenness to wholeness, from chaos to order, from hopelessness to, to being filled with hope. And James is participating in that through his work. Um, let me, I've got to land the plane here somewhere. Let, let me finish by saying this. Sometimes this story can feel a little bit abstract. Sometimes the, the passage that we're looking at in Revelation 21 about the renewal of all things and the picture of this marriage between heaven and earth, uh, it can feel a little bit abstract and it can be difficult to know how we begin to step into that story ourselves and live in it and then live it out. Let me uh, steal something from John Tyson, who, who's a brilliant Bible teacher and superb at taking something abstract and, and helping us to practice it. He said this, ask three questions. You want to participate in this story. You want to discover that the story is bigger than you thought. You want to see hope and restoration come not only in your life, but through your life to the world around you. Ask three questions. Start with your home or your neighborhood or your workplace. Don't start with all of them. Just pick one. 
to pick one, your home, your neighborhood, or your workplace, and ask these three questions. Number one, what is wrong? What can you point at and say, that's not what God intended? How can you begin to pray into that, to pray against that, to find creative or imaginative ways of turning that around? What can you point at and say, that's, that's wrong, that's not what God intended? What's missing? What's missing? What can you point at in your home or your neighborhood or your workplace and say, that, that's actually not all that God intended? Christians in Northern Ireland are, are known for what they don't do. P- people still call us good living, don't they? I remember when Ian Hanna came over from England and somebody asked for the good living shop, looking for the faith mission, and he sent them to Holland and Barrett. P- pe- people outside of here don't really know what good living is about, but we're known as good living, and good living is about what you don't do. It's that you don't smoke, you don't swear, you don't drink. Every football changing room I've been in, people have known Christianity by what I don't do. What if Christians in Northern Ireland were known for this, that everywhere where there's lack, that's where we find creative and imaginative and entrepreneurial ways of bringing goodness and grace and hope. When something is missing, we say that's not all that God intended and we find a way to fill it. Last question, what's to be celebrated? What is there in your home or your neighborhood or your workplace that you can point at and say, that's exactly what God intended? How do we celebrate that and affirm that and magnify that in 2021? I invite you in 2021 to live in the story of God. It's the only place that you'll find real hope and restoration. By finding Jesus in the story of God, This all begins with getting your own heart right with God. If you have never done that before, I invite you to begin this year by taking that step, by inviting Jesus to be Lord of your life, by receiving the forgiveness that he made possible on the cross. I invite you to live in the story of God. I also invite you to live out the story of God and bring restoration and hope to the world around you in ways that are imaginative and creative, big and small, to your home, your community, your workplace, to partner with God in the renewal of all things, in making all things kainos. I invite you this year to live in that story, to live it out, and to discover that the story is bigger than you thought. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me pray. The band are going to come back. I'm going to clear my furniture off the stage. And uh, let me pray for a moment as we we do that. Father, uh, I pray that of everything I've just said, the the things that are of you, Lord, the things that are a word and season for our lives today, the things that um, you are wanting to speak over us and to us, you would just um, begin to move now by your Holy Spirit and confirm that and and minister to us, Lord, in, in ways that only you can do. And everything that I've said that has been just uh, of me on the side, Lord, I pray you'll just um, allow that to fall away as we worship together and um, we declare who you are and your story uh, and, Lord, the story that we are invited to step into and to live out in the year ahead. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.